0: On April 19, 1991, four American tourists sail off the coast of Baja, Mexico. They never return. Later, a capsized boat is found with two bodies floating nearby. Two bodies were not recovered, but both were feared dead. However, many sightings of one of the passengers gives hope to the parents that one may have survived. You're listening to the Mysterious Brews Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Gordon Collins. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you could help solve... An unsolved mystery.
1: Welcome (laughs) to a slightly fall feeling basement. Oh, man. It's pretty nice, actually. I know, man. It's almost hoodie weather, hoodie and shorts weather. Pumpkin spice lattes.
0: Yeah, who's that fool? Everybody move to the back of the booth.
1: We are racking up on the Patreon patrons in the last couple of weeks. Oh, it's
0: awesome. If only I could see some of that money, but apparently you're just hoarding it.
1: I am hoarding like it. Scrooge McDuck. I'm over here using it to uh, better my habit.
0: What habit is that?
1: Hookers and below. That's two habits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we have. The artist known as Stephanie. That's all we have. She is a $3 sticker tier. (laughs) That's a good name, though. I like it. And we do thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your contributions, even though Coach is not appreciative. What? That's not true. We are number 75. Out of thousands upon thousands. In the great country of Slovenia.
0: We love it. We love Slovenia. I've
1: always been a Slovenian fan. So I think we have a maybe a five-star review or so?
0: We got Dos, my friend. Dos. We got a, a five-star review from JoJo Dogface Girl, which I love that name. She said, and I quote, These guys are great to listen to. They don't take themselves too seriously are funny and fresh with a southern shine to their casts, yet do serious topics with empathy and open minds. Well-researched, they make sure to get the facts right along with their speculations of what might be the truth. Very Very entertaining. Deuces. She did quite a good job on spelling that. Her word, not mine. Yes, she did. D-E-E-E-E-E-O-C-E-S.
1: Uses. Anybody wants to argue that spelling, please contact us. I'm <laughs> going to say that's the official spelling from this point forward. And then we have a five-star
0: review from Deadfish03. It says, I love the stories, guys, and great beer reviews. I I appreciate that because if there's one thing we like, it's positive feedback. So thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks for telling a friend. <laughs> uh Well, since our case uh, takes place in the great country of Mexico, nowhere, no way are we trying to pander to our Mexican audience. We would never. We would never do something like that. We are drinking... Modelo Negro. Modelo Negro, which is a dark lager, and it is delicious. And it's very widely available to anybody, anywhere that wants it. So we always encourage that.
1: Please distribute your beer properly. Anything else going on there, Arlo? No, I think we've got all... Everyone should have their t-shirts. If you don't, that means that we either don't have your address or we don't know how you paid, which is... Which doesn't mean you didn't pay. Right, we just don't... We're so adept at keeping records that we just don't know how you did it yeah we we're not
0: very smart it's amazing that we can even breathe sometimes Yep. so but we uh we've gotten some pretty good feedback from the shirts already that people have been saying they want some so we'll be hopefully um running a second batch running a second order or Hopefully, pretty soon, if so, I can pry some of that Patreon money off of Arlo's stingy ass, that we could actually get a stock together and sell some as they are wanted. That would be nice. That would be nice. But, you know, anyway, that's all right. Football season, full
1: swing. Big Ten. Finally decided that they're going to have a football season. That's good. Pac-12, you look like a bunch of fools. I don't know. Big, tw- Big
0: Ten kind of look like fools anyway.
1: Well,
0: they did, but... Don't matter. Tennessee gonna win it all, baby. Tennessee gonna win it. All right. Well, (laughs) now that he's drained, we can get on with it. Now that we can leave Fantasyland. All right. So, in April 1991, we got four people on vacation in Baja, New... I almost said New Mexico. If you don't know... Oh, it's Baja, California. I said Baja, Mexico.
1: Yeah, but that, I mean... It's, it's Baja, California. California. which is part of it's Mexico. It's part of Mexico.
0: Yes. That, that is completely... I'm just... I'm, I'm a loser. Anyway, if you don't know where Baja, California is, Baja means lower. So...
1: It's it's, it's uh between Oregon and Washington, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I got it, man. Mm-hmm. I, I got a good... Good grade and Speaking
0: be- of which, this may by the time this episode comes out, it may be pa- uh, past and ancient history. But for God's sakes, people, no more gender reveal parties in the West Coast. Good God, people are dying because you're like, "We're going to shoot some fireworks." So you could, you know, I don't have any children, but. If I ever do have children, you know what the gender reveal party is going to be for me and my wife? Hey. We're going to be sitting in the doctor's office. It's going to run ultrasound. He's going to say, hey, man, you see that penis right there? You You got got a boy. boy." Oh, son of a bitch. All right. Yep. Cool. High fives all around. And then we're going to go
1: to Red Lobster or something. He's, He's high class. (laughs) All right, so 34-year-old Gordon (laughs) Collins and his girlfriend, Anastasia Seals, went to Santa Rosalia, Mexico, on a vacation in April of 1991. Yeah, they're going to go with uh, Wayne uh, Schwartz. Schwartz and his wife, Arlene Burlington. So they decide to rent a boat, and they are going to go out and do some fishing, but... They are stopped. Well, Wayne is me fami- but he, I mean, it's not just a bunch of
0: yahoos going out fishing that don't know what they're doing. Wayne knows what he's doing. He's been out there a bunch of times. This is not new to them. They're experienced. Just making that
1: clear. They are stopped on their way out of the harbor by a fisherman, commercial fisherman, coming back in trying to warn them that there is a storm coming. And there was some warnings that either, A, they were not aware of or chose... To just do a short trip and said to heck with it. Yeah, essentially,
0: they're just like, thanks, man, and wave to him as they go by. And he's like yelling at them. He's like, bad weather coming, storm, storm, you know, get the fuck out of here. Like, what are you doing? Go back to the hotel, you gringos. And they're just like,
1: Thank thanks, you. man. Like, <laughs> appreciate it. Like, awesome. So <laughs> when the storm did hit a few hours later, there was no sign of the four. And the next day, one of the, I believe it was one of the hotel staff went out to check because the boat had not returned.
0: Yeah, they're in search of the boat, not necessarily the people in it.
1: Right. They don't care. They just want their boat back.
0: Well, we don't know if they don't care, but But let's just say they want their property
1: back. Within a couple of hours, the person looking for the boat finds Wayne and Anastasia's bodies. They were 28 miles northeast of the hotel. Yeah, so it's Wayne and then Gordon's girlfriend. Right. Uh,
0: Gordon and the wife are not found.
1: And they are
0: thought to be lost at sea forever. Well, everything, um, everything
1: that's found from the boat is found within a square mile. Right, and then like, the Coast Guard's called in, and I want to say they searched some ungodly amount of yeah. area. So there's
0: not a piece of debris. There's not... uh, There's nothing outside of a square mile that they find. But there's two people missing. And two life jackets. And two life jackets missing. So,
1: what? So soon after the two bodies are found and the debris, Gordon's family learns that he had been in an accident. But they also learn that he has been seen in the area of the accident.
0: Yeah, so almost immediately there's going to be start reports coming in of a, a disheveled, uh, almost injured-looking Caucasian male wandering around this village where
1: Gordon went missing. So his parents travel to Santa Rosalia, Rosalia, hoping to find some clues about what's going on. And two Mexican fishermen report seeing gordon come out of the water and trying to get on a bus Mm -hmm. another man mr jose peralta well the so
0: yeah he's going to be seen trying to get on a bus and he's going to be denied access because he don't got no money so he's going to be turned away but strangely again it's kind of fuzzy on the time frame because it's stated that it's almost the exact same time but it could be very close to this time And Gordon did have a chance to wander off from the bus, or this could be this. The next sighting could have happened even before Gordon attempted to get on the bus.
1: Yeah, and going back just a little bit, the U.S. Coast Guard, I finally found it, searched for three days, covering a two hundred and fifty square mile area, Mm. and could not find anything outside that one mile area. They found the two bodies and the debris. Wow. So you would think
0: if wow that's crazy nothing does it say how far away the boat was found from shore now that's a question i would want to know
1: yeah i could never find that um
0: yeah i didn't find it in my research either but that is definitely a question that needs to be answered how far away from shore was this boat was it even possible for somebody to make it back to shore
1: with or without a life jacket so the two fishermen that stated that he was trying to get on a bus and they saw him coming out of the water, stated that he was only wearing shorts and had several cuts on his body. Correct. And again, around about that
0: same time, possibly before, possibly after, but it's very close in time, he's going to be spotted on the beach wearing the exact same thing, just shorts, cut up, injured. He's going to approach a fisherman named, what's his name? Jose Peralta. Jose Peralta, and he's going to ask if he can have his blanket. He's claiming that he is very cold and that his friends
1: are uh, somewhere nearby
0: Somewhere nearby, and they're going to come get him. But as of that moment, he's by himself.
1: Yeah, and he I think he tells Jose that he's just going to sleep on the beach and wait for his friends. Yeah, that's
0: not a good plan, but that's what he's told. And he does... Uh, he does actually obtain the uh, the blanket. He gives it to him and lets him wander off into the distance without any further questions. But at that time, what questions would you ask? I wouldn't ask anything.
1: No. So over the next three months, Gordon's actually spotted at least 50 times in seven different locations, all in the area of La Paz and Cabo San Lucas. Yeah, all in Baja, Baja, California. So he ain't going too far. No, and it seems like he's traveling this little small circle right there between Cabo and La Paz. Mm-hmm. Now, his father would state that on one of the trips that they headed down to search, they had flyers and missing posters, and they stopped at a little taco stand and asked if they had seen yeah, you know, this is, man. Yeah,
0: this is sad because like they kept—it seemed like everywhere, every, every place they were going— he was just They there. were getting closer and closer and closer. They're like, oh, we saw him 20 minutes ago. Yeah. They we, said, Oh, we just saw him 15 minutes. We saw him five. They got within five minutes of the person that they believe is their son.
1: Yeah. They said the people at the taco stand said, yeah, we saw him just about an hour ago. And so they travel about three or four miles and they stop again, start handing out posters. And another guy's like, yeah, I just saw him about 30 minutes ago. Yeah. And so then they get into the town of La Paz and that's where they were like, yeah, he was here within five minutes ago and I don't know what happened, but everybody just decided that they were done talking about it.
0: Yeah, that's the strangest thing is the his father's going to stay. They, I don't know if they thought we were law enforcement or they thought we were FBI, which I don't know why anybody, but he said like the entire town just clams up. They went from openly talking about it to refusing to talk about it at all. That is
1: extremely strange. Extremely. So the parents get a little frustrated, and then their money starts running out, so they have to come back home, and they decide to hire a private investigator, and his name is Bill Garcia, and he alerts the newspapers in Baja. What's crazy
0: about how we research and the way we do our episodes is we tend to find the answers to things as we go along. The bodies are going to be found a mile and a half off the shore. So that's doable. Yeah. For him to make it to shore.
1: Especially with the life jacket
0: on. Yes. Absolutely doable. Not impossible. So we are. It seems like we're jumping around a little bit, which we are, but it's because we're doing our we're doing real time research and we're <laughs> discovering answers as we go, which is you know, pretty cool, pretty
1: cool. You're right here in the process.
0: Because <laughs> we, if we were professionals, this is the part where we would stop, go back, edit, redo it. Make, make us make look us, make real us, good. Yeah, make us look like we did what we were supposed to do. But, but again, we're just two dumbasses in a basement.
1: Yeah, they're extremely busy these days. So. Extremely.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Anyhow. All right, so uh, <laughs> jumping back in. After the articles ran, uh, Mr. Garcia, the private investigator, uh, said that he received several calls from a village 300 miles south of Tijuana. And he says that a man named Raul Amador remembers Gordon vividly and said that he was four or five months here in town. Everybody knows him.
0: You know, man, if you stay somewhere in a small village for four or five months and you're the only white dude who's blonde.
1: Yeah, I mean, he sticks out like a sore thumb. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're a white guy with black
0: hair and you go down to Mexico for four or five months, you're going, you may end up starting to blend in slightly, but not when you're blonde, not when you're solid blonde hair. Okay, so um, the, uh, the private investigator is going to state that we show pictures to everybody in town and they all positively recognize Gordon. They've talked to him. They know things about him. They know they are very 100% confident that this is him. And then he's going to get himself arrested. Yeah. Because he's penniless. He's a homeless man. Wandering around Mexico, he's got to eat. So eventually he's going to be arrested for stealing food. And that's where James
1: Hatfield comes in. Which, if it's not James Hatfield.
0: Right, because that was close. The lead singer of Metallica.
1: But it's Hatfield. And he was an American living in the village and he was called to translate to a man, an American, that was in jail. And he states that there's no doubt in my mind it's Gordon because when we met him in jail, I introduced myself to him, and he gave me his name, Gordy. And then when the flyers came out, it's right there on the flyer, Gordon. And you can't get the two pictures mixed up. It's the same. So unfortunately for the Collins family, uh, Mr. Garcia did not make it there in time. He moved on shortly before they were able to get to the area and they were not able to find him. So again, they're, you know, within a day or two of finding Gordon and nothing. So over the next year, sporadic sightings of Gordon continue. Yeah, there in fact there's going
0: to be so many confirmed sightings. Well, I, well, I say that loosely. There's going to be so many sightings of Gordon that the US consulate is actually going to reverse their decision. At one point they declared him dead. But there are so many sightings of him that they are going to basically change it to unknown. They don't know. He's now a missing person and feared and endangered.
1: Now, on one of the unsolved message boards, this is from an anonymous poster. It says that this is going way, way back, but I'll give it a shot. I lived in Antigua, Guatemala, between 94 and 96, and for several months during that time, I recall a tall, blonde-headed guy with very long hair wandering the streets in Antigua. The guy was homeless. I spoke to him one day, and the only thing I remember him telling me was he was from Canada. I understand Collins is from California. However, if he were trying to avoid being identified, I could understand him saying that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, when I saw this story in an old episode of Unsolved Mysteries, it reminded me of that guy from over 20 years ago. That's kind of interesting. Huh. Then there's another guy that posts... And this is back in April of 2017 when he posted this. He says, I know this guy. He saved my life in 1999. I was with my uncle and we were deep sea fishing in Panama near the island of Cobia. I'm sorry, Cohiba. He went by the nickname Duke or Luke. He literally saved my life on February 27th, 1999. I have no doubt that this is the same person. Please contact me.
0: Wow. On the... uh unsolved.com, there's going to be a Rosa Salazar, November 15th, 2016. It's going to say, I know where Gordy stays. I've tried to explain where he's at to Unsolved. I have a close-up picture I took of him in 2014. I've tried to be his friend. He is very cautious. I want this looked into. I'm not sure if if I leave my... I'm not sure if I should leave my info. And
1: And then it looks like someone from that runs the Let's Find Gordon Collins Facebook page, tries to get in touch with her, so mm-hmm. hopefully they did.
0: Yeah, there is a Facebook page called Let's Find Gordon Collins. It hasn't been active for two years, but there are some updates and actually some other missing persons in Mexico. Okay, so he's going to be cited well over 50 times in five months. He's going to stay in the same village for over five months and be cited numerous times. He's going to be cited several, several times after that, over the course of the next year or so, and then it's pretty much going to dry up for a while, for a long time. You're not going to hear anything else about it. So where did he go? Is he still
1: there? All right, according to the user named the Negotiator Twelve on Reddit, and I'm going to quote this: "says Now I am not sure if this is true." But I remember reading a few years ago when the family was on his trail, they did in fact make contact with him, but told Unsolved Mysteries they had not. Mm. Apparently, Gordon was having an affair with Arlene, and it was found out on the trip or something like that, and things might have gone south, but then they got hit by the storm, and apparently Gordon and Arlene survived and wanted to start a new life in Mexico, But that didn't go so well. We don't know the details. The family is now just going along and acting like they are looking for him when they just really know he disowned them. To me, if he is still or did survive that night, I have a feeling we don't know the full story. A white male in Mexico who only speaks English, even if he had amnesia, would have had at one point ran into some English speaking people. The part of Mexico he crashed in is a popular resort area for college students. Mm-hmm. At some point, he would have run into someone to get help, but there could be another side. He ran into a problem with the police, and they handed him over to the drug cartel like a lot of homeless to do slave work. At this point, if he's still alive, he would probably have gotten a job and made a new life for himself, at least I hope.
0: Well, he's, he'd be in his 60s by now.
1: Yeah. So... Yeah, here's
0: the thing. That's, that's another mystery, too, is the fact that there were so many sightings of him, but there have not been any sightings of Miss Burlington. Yeah, and they're saying this same guy. Ar- Arlene Burlington. So if that's the case, she's much better hide- at hiding than he is, than Gordon is.
1: Because no, there's not been a single sighting of her. No, and they're saying... One reported sighting. This guy says that if she did survive and she was pale-skinned, she was probably snatched up and Mm, sold. You think? That's what this guy said. I I don't know. I mean, this is not a very long case, but there's so many eyewitness testimony to, yeah, there's a tall, white American with blonde hair that's just been wandering around, and then he gets arrested, and the guy that has to do the... uh, Translation says he flat out tells him, Yeah, my name's Gordy. Yeah. So I mean, for me, he's it's a hundred percent he survived. It's just did he have amnesia and is that why he couldn't get help or or is there some legs to maybe he just saw this as an opportunity to start over? I don't know. I mean
0: would anybody in their right mind abandon their their life To be homeless in Mexico. I mean...
1: Yeah, and from all accounts, he didn't have anything.
0: Yeah. He gave up everything in his life to be homeless in Mexico on purpose? I don't know. That's hard for me to buy. I can't...
1: I can't really buy into that. Yeah, I think he survived and he has amnesia. He just doesn't know what to do. But at the same time, like that guy, you would think he would get a job or yeah here's the thing about amnesia though is at
0: some point you would have to realize, hey, I speak a different language than all these people. I am certain I have to not be from here you would it, you would think at some point he would seek help. Do you know what I mean? like I don't know what amnesia's like. I haven't had it, but I'm assuming at some point I'd be like, hey, I can't remember anything about anything. Maybe I need to go talk to somebody. And you would think you would reach out
1: for help, but that's not the case.
0: That's never happened.
1: I don't know, man. This one's a head scratcher because, I, you know, I think there's more evidence to point to the fact that he did survive. But what happened to him after the private investigator
0: well, I mean, and the sightings of him go beyond just people looking at the picture and going, oh, yeah, I saw him. No, this is like, rep- like people calling
1: and unsolved, reporting
0: him, yeah. people calling Unsolved Mysteries, people calling um, the private investigator, people, blah, 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 blah. It's not just people on the street going, yeah, man, I saw him, whatever. It's more to it than that. There's more validity to some of these sightings that would lead you to believe that they're legit. And hopefully... I'm sure at some point somebody said they saw him and they really didn't. But you would hope it's somebody that they asked was telling the truth. And, I mean, it. But the mystery. There's another mystery here that nobody talks about. And that
1: if if he survived. Did Arlene. Did Arlene. And There is nothing out there about her. Not a thing.
0: But. It's a mystery because, A, did she survive? And, B, if she did not,
1: where's her body?
0: What happened?
1: Yeah, because of the life jacket. There was the missing two life jackets yeah. and two bodies missing. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, and also, I know it was a bad weather, but did the bad weather cause the, the the boat to topple and sink? I mean, there's a lot of unanswered questions here that, unfortunately, I don't know. <laughs> and we don't know the answer I don't answer know to. shit.
1: So we've danced around it for the last five or so minutes, and we'll just get into our theories. And I'll kick us off on this one. I believe he he did survive. I, you know, I, there's I'm, no way around not saying he didn't survive. I'm gonna have to go with that. Like, I mean, the, just the sheer number of sightings would lead you to believe that. And I, I keep going back to the guy that was called in to interpret in the jail. He flat out says, "Yeah, this guy is." told me his name was Gordy, Gordon Collins. So what happened after that? Because that's really the last confirmed sighting. That's anybody's guess, but you know Well,
0: and I mean, yeah, if he survived, I mean, what what where is he now? He would definitely he's like he'd be 63, 64 years old. Is he still in Mexico? Did he die? It I, I'm starting to get frustrated at these because I want answers. This is like episode twelve hundred and forty-five, and we not answered a single question since we started this thing. We did get to interview Gary Sudbury. That was amazing. That, no matter what happens, yeah. from here on out, the whole podcast was worth it yeah. because of that. Exactly. But you just how how can you live as a homeless man in Mexico for thirty something years? Well,
1: and you know. Th- is that even possible? He could have just been one of those beach bum guys at Cabo San Lucas. I mean, like the, that one said, you know, it's a college, not college, but it's a resort town. Mm-hmm. Americans come in and out all the time. He could have picked up odd jobs, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know why he didn't. It would lead you to believe he did suffer some kind of amnesia, but but still, why not? He knows his name. Yeah, but why not seek help if you, you know... I don't, you know, that's the big question. I don't know, man.
0: And, and another thing that drives me crazy is the thing about Mr. Hatfield when he was on Unsolved Mysteries and then all the things I've researched. That's the only information you can find about what happened between him and Gordy is he just, he, he only reports about, well, I asked his name. He said his name was Gordy. He looked just like the picture. It, it was no doubt it was him. What else happened in that conversation? What did they talk about? What went on? What did he What did he translate from the the sheriff? I, I mean, there's so many more things that should be
1: known about that conversation that we just don't know. They should have interviewed the sheriff.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: But yep, hindsight's twenty twenty. I'm gonna
0: say that I think he lived. I want to say that he lived
1: in. I just amnesia. I don't know. I don't the amnesia and maybe some of our listeners can point this out because I don't know and I've not researched it, but are there several cases, is there a high number of amnesia cases where you just don't remember anything, but you know who you are, you know your name, and you know you had some friends? I mean, because he tells the guy on the beach that he gets the blanket from, I'm, I'm waiting on my friends, I'm just going to sleep on the beach. That's just, I don't know, man. I don't either. All right recommendations
0: uh i'm going to recommend uh, the youtube video from lazy masquerade uh, i know i've recommended him before but uh he put out a video the five creepy and infamous unsolved mysteries of music which is really interesting i always find stuff like that fascinating so that's that's going to be my recommendation i know i've Always good to recommend the same pages over and over again in case people don't listen to the episode
1: where I uh recommended them in the first place. I'm going to recommend the podcast Hillbilly Horror Stories. <laughs> and they are a weekly podcast right. on the paranormal side of podcasts that try to throw a little bit of humor in. And so one of their Instagram posts is someone for Halloween put up uh, mannequins of the villain from Scream, Freddy Krueger, Jason, one of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre guys, and then somebody else. The picture's cut off, and they're all sitting around a table, and it's got a sign out front that says, those teenagers deserve it. Change our minds. So they do a lot of paranormal podcast episodes, so if you are into that, give them a listen. They are pretty dang funny. So we're going to wrap this episode up with top five sporting events that we have attended. Yep. And this can be anything. 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 I kind of like our
0: little, I I think I like our little countdowns. It lets people get a little insight into our personal lives that they might not get insight into. And we got a lot of feedback about our top five football movies. People were not... People were not pleased that we left certain movies off. But I'm sorry, but I stand one hundred percent behind my list. You will never find a better movie than the, a better football movie than the program, and you will never find a better teenage high school football movie than Varsity Blues. That is, those are
1: Citizen Kane level movies about football. I'm yep. sorry. I agree. So I'll go first. My number five was a Georgia Georgia Tech game <clears throat> in in the rain. A buddy of mine had gotten tickets. <clears throat> And I did not want to go because I knew it was going to be cold and rainy. So it rains on us the whole way down. It's a 12 o'clock kickoff. Rains the whole way down. There's going to be a break, man. There's going to be a break. And I'm thinking, (laughs) yeah, there's going to be a break. I'm going to be wet. So we get there. I have no idea where the tickets are. So we start looking. We're dead middle of the tech cheering section. Dead middle. Oh, wow. And I'm the sober one driving four of my buddies around and they are drunker and cooter brown well we one of our buddies gets (laughs) separated and he finds the ticket spot first well as he's trying to get there he slips hits his chin on one of the bleachers so when we get there he's sitting with his palm in his chin like this and looks like somebody shot his dog and i'm like man you all right and then yeah, man, I'm fine. I fell. <laughs> and so when he said that, I looked, and he's got, I said, did you scrape your hand? No, man. And he takes his hand off his chin and looks up, and there's a gash. And he's just boiling blood, and he's like, it'll stop in a minute. And I'm like, oh, great. Now we're all going to jail because this dumbass fell over in the bleachers. <laughs> but needless to say, we were surrounded by a lot of uh, very high-paying professionals that did not find us cheering every time Georgia scored. But we got out of there with our lives and didn't offend anybody too bad. And that was 98.
0: Horrid. Are you doing all five or am I going to my five? You go your five. Oh, well, okay then.
1: You go your number five.
0: Well, when I was in college, around 2005, 2006, I can't fucking remember. But I took a trip on my own to Chicago to see David Gilmore perform live in concert. And if you don't know who David Gilmore is... There's something wrong with you, first of all. Do you know who David Gilmour nope. is? Oh, my God. It's only the guitar player for the greatest band in the history of the world, Pink Floyd. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I don't know names
1: of guitar. I just know Pink Floyd.
0: Unreli- unrelie- unbelievable! How are we friends? I ask if that it question every day. For, if it wasn't for Sasquatch. <laughs> okay. Oh, another good idea for Countdowns, our top five favorite cryptids not named Bigfoot. That'd be a good one. Yeah, it would be. Uh, Anyway, I happened to catch a Cubs-Reds game while I was up there at uh, Wrigley Field. That was just super amazing. It wasn't that spectacular of a game. Um, But I did have – it was one of the fastest games in the history of uh, Wrigley Field that I remember – them saying that it was like three up, three down, three up, three down, three up, three down, and all of a sudden the damn game was over. But I did drink six old style beers while I was sitting around. Uh, I was actually pretty close to the uh, Bartman chair. Oh yeah, yeah, I wasn't too far away from it. But um, I drank six old styles and meandered on to the bathroom. As six pints of beer will make you have to go pretty pretty bad. And uh, I walk into this bathroom and there are just troughs, like, and then there's like a a chest high concrete wall with a trough on it and a trough on the other side
1: so you're eyeballed eyeball so you're
0: eyeball to eyeball tip to tip you know what i'm saying i got shy bladder dude and a tiny um ego let's just put it that way man it just wasn't gonna happen i had to hold it the whole game and the whole subway ride home it was awful but the game was awesome so that's my fifth favorite
1: all right so my number four I'm going back to the well, and it was a Georgia-South Carolina game. It was homecoming, and we actually, me and a buddy of mine, he wound up buying season Georgia season tickets off eBay. Ooh, fancy. Yeah, and we parked on the other side of the stadium from where we could get in. So we lugged this cooler around to pregame, and then we lug it back to the truck. Then we stumble our ass into the stadium, And it actually turned out to be a good game. That's when Spurrier was coaching South Carolina, and they get down inside 45 seconds in the fourth quarter, and South Carolina scores, they win. Georgia stops them, they win. And Georgia stopped them, and that place went crazy. We were right next to the band, too. Nobody cares. Oh, I'm sure I'm about to just piss on some of yours, but go ahead. (laughs) No, never. You're number four, sir. Uh, my
0: number four, as lame as it is, but I'm still going to include it because, you know, as lame as high school is, it's fucking high school. It's lame as shit. But anyway, what drives me, I really, truly hate when I hear anyone refer to high school. It was the best years of my life. No, the fuck they weren't. And if they were, you're so pitiful. sorry for you. Anyway, pitiful. I will say that it was a very fun experience because in my senior year of high school playing fo- foosball. We were losing to our biggest rival, 19 to nothing, with three minutes and 30 seconds left to play in the entire game. We happened to win that game 24 to 19, including a freaking like 65 67 yard bomb from the quarterback to the receiver for a touchdown. Not a bad day. That was, no. per, that was pretty cool. But other than that, that's my number four.
1: Well, I will stay with the high school, but it is on a coaching standpoint. And we coached – or we coached – I coached in the my second tour of duty for coaching football, and we wind up playing a private school from Atlanta who had a former pro as their head coach, and we beat them in overtime at our place. Our outside linebacker intercepts. The football could have pick-sixed it, but we had already scored, so they were trying to answer. So he picks it, runs about three or four yards, realizes, hey – This might not be a good idea, and he just falls down and just lays there in the cradle. (laughs) So that was pretty cool.
0: All right, number three. You're going to love these. 2004, Knoxville, Tennessee. Tennessee versus Florida. Tennessee kicks the, on the last play of the game, Tennessee kicks a field goal to win, 30-28. to 28. I jumped up in the air, cheering as loud and as hard as I could, and when I landed, I popped my ankle. Boy, I oh. dislocated it. Like, just hit that bleacher wrong. That ankle came right out of place, but by God, it was worth it. I was hobbling all the way back to the car, happy as a pig in shit. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right, my number two, and this was a couple years after I graduated high school. There was a big rivalry game at my high school, and the other team was ranked in the state, and they had invited 11 alive from Atlanta to come up and cover the football game. They jump out to a 21-0 lead in the second quarter, and they are just whipping uh, my high school team's butt. And so the stands start emptying. I don't know what was said at halftime, but my high school come back out and beat them forty-two to twenty-one, and Eleven Alive was there to document the whole sweet thing, and it was so nice, so nice, because of that rivalry game they were such pricks. But go ahead.
0: This ain't my favorite, but I just little thing about that about karma and stuff like that. Uh, when I was coaching high school football, um. We were beating a team twenty-one to nothing at the half, and one of the fans from the other team, little kid, about eight years old, come over to to get a high five from our team. Every single one of them kids on our team high five this little kid, except the last one, the person I was behind. I'm walking with the chaplain of the team. This lineman kid reaches out for a high five. He looks at this high school senior, looks at this eight-year-old kid, and just goes "fuck you" and keeps walking. Me and the chaplain are shocked. Like, we're so shocked we couldn't even react. And the chaplain's like, I wouldn't be surprised if we lost this game. We lost 35-21. That's karma right there. Yes, sir, it is. All right. My number two favorite game of all time that I was at, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, 2003, Tennessee versus the Alabama Crimson Tide. In the heart
1: of the enemy territory,
0: I was in the the um, the student section of Alabama with my but one of my oh, best friends shitting me. One of my best friends went to Alabama, and I'm in the student section with him. He wanted to leave early. He's like, "Oh man, let's just go. Let's beat the crowd during the fourth quarter." I was like, "Hell no! You got you paid like thirty bucks for these tickets. I paid two hundred. We're staying." Like Tennessee beat them in five overtimes, fifty-one to forty-three. Sweet. Yeah, five what? overtime. Did you get you $200 worth? Oh, I sure did. And to be honest with you, every single Bama fan there, even though I was cheering for Tennessee in their student section, nice as it could be, they were, they were very nice. I've been to the Giants versus the Falcons two times in Atlanta. Both times the Giants won. Both times I almost had to get in a fist fight because I was a Giants fan. My wife had to keep me from killing a man one time. This dude wanted to fight, and I was going to let him. And I was going to beat his ass because they were so rude.
1: They're just so rude in Atlanta. Yeah, they are. And I'm not a Falcons fan. <laughs> All right, go ahead. All right, my number one is when I was in college working at the Sports party, which is now defunct. But I had worked early, and this lady from Chattanooga walks in and says, Hey, I got two tickets to tonight's game six. No, bank game five, World Series between the Braves and the Indians. We just want face value, and I'll give you the parking ticket free. No way. And the guy that she first talked to calls me over the intercom, and I come up there, and I'm like, what, man? We get off in an hour. And he's like, no, we got to get off now. I said, why? He said, this lady's selling her World Series tickets for face value, and she's going to give us a parking pass. And I said, well, how much are they? And she said, $40 a piece. And I t- – Whipped out. Just so happened I had gotten paid and kept 50 bucks, and I whipped out $40, like, all right, let's go beg to get off early. And so we did, and we had the coolest store manager at the time, thank God. And he was like, heck, yeah, boys, go ahead. You'll never get this opportunity again. We went and bought two T-shirts off the clearance rack so we didn't have on our sports authority stuff. Went down there. The tickets were right above the Indians' bullpen in left field. Of the old Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, we were four rows above it. Saw everybody on the Indians, and that's the night Javi hits the two or three run home run to win the game. That place was crazy. That was back in the you know the heyday of the chop too. And that was to win the uh... that put them up. And so we didn't we wasn't there when they won it all, but by God, we were there when. They put the, one of the nails in the coffin. So, and, and going back, that was the heyday of the chop, and the whole Atlanta, oh, Fulton sure, County man. Stadium was roaring, man. And we had two Indian fans next to us. You talk about out of place. But everybody, like you said, everybody around them, we were all nice. We wasn't like, yeah, fuck you, like some of these dumbass fans are. <laughs> but, yeah, that has to be my number one. I got to go to the World Series. Wow. Well, I can top it.
0: Because my number one, the greatest game of all time, 2016, picture it if you will. My wife looks at me and says, "You know, we've never been, we've never been to Georgia to watch a Georgia game." I said, "Well, just so happens they play Tennessee in Athens this year. Well, let's go." And we go, and we're in the middle of a bunch of Georgia fans, and it just so happened to be the the game. Don't ruin it. (laughs) Don't put the cart before the horse. Just so happens to be the game where Georgia takes the lead with 10 seconds to play. Tennessee's done for. Wrong. Last play of the game. Hail Mary pass. Jawan Jennings. Touchdown. Give him six. six. Touchdown, Tennessee. Tennessee. I bet there were
1: some pissed off people in red and black.
0: Oh, there were, man. I thought, I didn't know if we were going to get out of there alive, but
1: we did. The worst experience I have at a professional sporting event was me and my wife and my brother, and at the time, his fiance went to see a Braves game at like 1 p.m. on a Sunday. And these two Auburn fans just so happened to park next to us, and they were blitzed when they got there. And then she had on a Georgia hat, and he said something to her about wearing a Georgia hat. And me and my brother turned around, and his friend said, no, 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 guys, I got this, and knocked the teetotal shit out of him and put him in the truck. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was about to ruin his day. But anyway, so that's (laughs) our top five sporting events. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode on Gordon Collins. And, Coach, if you don't have anything left. I think we said it all, brother. (gasps) Deuces.